This is episode number eight of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. In today's episode, we talk with Neil Patel. This guy is just an absolute weapon when it comes to marketing and generating traffic online. He's very well known in the online marketing community. And uh, this is actually quite an old interview that I did about a year or so ago. When I was listening to it to record this pre-run audio, I was just like, wow, I was such an amateur back then when I did my interviews. This is like, you know, one, one of the first ones that I've ever done. But there's a lot of gold in there, surprisingly. Even though I was stumbling and, you know, I was all over the place, I... There is a lot of interesting stuff in this interview that Neil shares, certainly around how he believes you can build a successful business and startup. He runs two very successful startups, Kissmetrics and Crazy Egg, super cool products. And yeah, he's a really cool guy. And it was a really interesting conversation. It's funny how a year ago, Neil was harping onto me about content marketing and one year later, which is now, it's just crazy how much people are using content as a strategy to drive traffic and get more sales and get more leads and grow your email list and really just grow your business. So it's a really good interview. The audio quality isn't that great because I never used to record with a nice microphone. I actually used to record, funnily enough, in the office, in a spare office, while I was working my day job on my lunch breaks. This is the kind of hustle that it took to get where I am today, and it's it's only the beginning. So sit back, you're in for a treat. This is a really interesting interview with Neil. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do me a favor and leave us a five-star review. If you want, check out the magazine, ton of gold in there. It's where I spend most of my time and it's 
really, like I keep saying, my life's work. So I'd love to hear what you think. Get in touch with me. I'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, any recommendations on how I can keep improving the podcast. Even people you might want me to interview. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it from me. And let's jump into this episode. Enjoy, guys. So today we are speaking with Neil Patel. Now, I could go all day about running through his massive accolades. He has an extremely impressive list of accomplishments. He runs multiple software companies. He runs an extremely successful blog, and he's achieved so much at the age of 27. You will see in the interview with the article alongside this interview what Neil has actually done, so I'd like to just cut straight to the chase, and thank you for joining us, Neil. Thank you for having me. So, let's just go through your entrepreneurial journey and how you got started. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Now, I know that you started at a very young age, and I understand that at one point you were selling vacuums, and and you've mentioned that it placed a big impact on your, your career now. Can you tell us a bit about how you got started and a little bit about that? Sure. The way I ended up getting started was I was looking for a job when I was 16 years old. And as I was looking for a job, I was on this site called Monster.com and I realized it was a publicly traded company, clicked on the stock symbol, I was like, what is this? And I saw how much money they were making because when you're a publicly traded company, you have to review your financials. I was like, wow, if I copy this site and because I'm a copycat, if I just do 1% of what they're making, I'll be rich. It didn't end up working out that way, but I tried being a copycat. I didn't make any money, but that's how I got started. And when I put up the website, I realized that you have to get traffic to a website to make it successful. People just don't naturally come. So I had to work to try to make it successful. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about how did that end up going? Yeah, so the site failed. But I got good at increasing traffic, and eventually, you know, I was in a college class. I gave a speech on how search engines work. Someone hired me to do the marketing for their site. Long story short, provided a great amount of results. The owner of that company has sent on the ad agency, and he started providing me more and more clients. And that's how I grew. I see. So you just started off running your own consultancy, or... This is afterwards or before? Can you take us a little bit through that journey? Yeah, I started running my own consultancy before any of my other software companies. That's how I got started in the space. And then I was able to use that consulting money to create a lot of the software companies. I see. So why is it that um, you started with the lead generation route? What, what is it that excited you about the internet that you thought that you could make money besides the fact that you saw that Monster.com was making a lot of money. Was it just that or? Yeah, for me, is I created a Me Too company because Monster.com was making a lot of money and I didn't know what else to do. So I was like, someone else is making money, why not just copy them and I'll make a lot of money too. It doesn't work that way, but that's what I thought as a 16-year-old kid. <laughs> I see. So can you run us through the next stage of, of what happened? Sure. So the site was up. I didn't get traffic. Right? Yeah. I had to learn how to do it myself because I didn't have much money. And then from there, I still didn't make money after I got the traffic because I didn't know that you had to take credit cards online to make money. As foolish as it may sound, I didn't know how to do that. I'm not a developer, right? Yeah. So I was losing a ton of money. 
And eventually, you know, I had to close down the business. But the skills that I got from running it was I learned how to drive traffic to sites. I see. So then you went on to start this consultancy. That's correct. Okay. So can you tell us the, the key things that you learned from that business failing? Sure. The key things I ended up learning is, one, solve a unique problem in the marketplace. And what I mean by that is, don't go out there and create another Me Too company. Solve a unique problem enough people are facing. Two, you need to learn how to market a company, right? You can't just create a product, no matter how good or bad it is, and expect that people will come. you got to learn how to do marketing. And you have to learn how to do it on a budget. You can't compete with other people doing Google AdWords or any of those expensive mediums, right? Yeah. Four, I learned that you have to be really efficient at what you're doing, right? As an entrepreneur... There's a ton of opportunities out there you're going to be faced with having less capital than other people, more competitors than you can ever imagine as time goes on. You've got to be scrappy, be able to execute fast, keep moving along, right? Use concepts from, let's say, like the minimal viable product or lean startup more so. Same thing pretty much. But, you know, you have to be very efficient and get things out. But, yeah, those are some of the things I learned from the first startup. Mm, yeah, right. So... Let's move to the next part of your journey because this is when things get really interesting, I feel, is you built this consultancy firm on pretty much lead generation, correct? And That's correct. Correct? So what happened then? Sure. So the consulting agency grew out of word of mouth and I was able to drive traffic and provide good results and as I did that, I got more and more customers. But after a while, the word of mouth started dying down and I didn't keep having new and new customers coming and knocking on my door. So what I did was I created a consultancy website where I offered my services, and then I did cold calling. So I called all the people who were bidding on Google for expensive terms, right? There was this ebook I bought, top 100 most expensive AdWords terms. And I went through the list that I called every single site that was bidding on those keywords and offered them internet marketing services. Majority said no, but the first cold caller that I locked in, the dude ended up spending $15,000 a month with us every month. Oh, and then at that point, I was like, well, this cold calling thing is worth it. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's interesting because everybody's always really nervous about making that call or cold calling. It, it, and I think personally, sales is a really important element to, to becoming an entrepreneur, a successful one at that. Do you, do you agree? I do agree with that. Now, that kind of leads on to the next question is, tell us about how sales has shaped your career and with the vacuum selling business that you, the job that you had. Yeah, so my first job, well, taking my second job ever, and this was before I was even an entrepreneur, was selling vacuums door to door. And that taught me to be aggressive because when you're going selling a $1,600 vacuum or whatever it ended up costing, but it was expensive, to people who were middle class American citizens, they can't afford a $1,600 vacuum, right? Mm -hmm. So what I was doing, I was going door, door to door, knocking and trying to convince people to buy them. And majority by far said no. One person said yes, but then she returned the vacuum later on. And what I ended up learning from it is you just got to be aggressive. Don't let anything stop. If you really believe in it, just keep at it. And that's what I was doing, right? I was persistent. I tried selling every single day and never gave up. Just from, from the amount of things that you've, you've completed and you're only, is it 27 or 28 now? I'm 28 now. 28. You, you just hustle extremely, extremely hard. And I think that's something that's very, very important. 
let's shift gears and, and, and keep going through your journey. So you've created this software consultancy company and, and it's doing well. Now, did you, did you create this with a business partner, correct? Yes. Yes. Now, the question I wanted to ask is, how do you go about finding business partners and what advice would you give to somebody about that? And how do you evaluate when you actually need one? Sure. So finding a business partner is like a marriage, but even tougher. And the reason I say that is once you're in, it's harder to get out and it's much more messier, right? Divorce is very painful in the business world. I know it is as well and personal. But in business, it can be even more painful because you don't have one or two kids. You have hundreds of kids, right? Potentially, if you consider all your customers, your employees, it makes it a really messy situation. Now, the way I went about finding a business partner is, one, you got to know someone. So, like, know them for a while. You don't want to just get in bed and become business partners after day one. Two, you got to make sure they have complementary skill sets. So if you're an engineer, don't get another engineer to be your business partner. Maybe a designer, maybe a business person, whatever it may be, but someone who's different than you, skill set-wise. Then from there, what you end up doing is you should test the waters. Before you have a business partner and you agree to work with each other, make sure you guys test some small stuff out with each other. Make sure you jive. You get along, you're not afraid to be open-minded uh, with each other and stuff like that. And other than that, you know, once you know what you're really looking for, just go to as many networking events as possible to try to find this perfect person. So networking events, family events, whatever it may be. I see. So you would say that your business partner, you would say it's someone you have to get along not just professionally in, in complementing each other, but also do you think you have to be... Like, you have to be mates, do you think? Or friends? I don't think you have to be mates. You just have to get along professionally. But very importantly is if you have wives or girlfriends, they better get along with the other person's wives or girlfriends. <laughs> I found that to be a big problem over the years. With all the business partners, if the wives don't get along, it doesn't work out. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, that's really... That's more important almost than anything else. I know as <laughs> foolish as it may sound, but... You'll be shocked on how many times wives can ruin a business even though it's making millions of dollars in profit just because she's not happy. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, you got you got to keep your girlfriend or your wife happy, right? Because they keep you happy, yeah? That's right. Because there's nothing worse than being hassled. That's right. <laughs> oh, awesome. So thanks for that because I think what some people struggle with when they go to start a business is you know, if you have a business partner, it's usually 50-50. You don't know whether, you, one, you need one. How did you work out that, that you needed one? Yeah, I decided I needed one based on the fact that I didn't have all the skill sets out there that I needed, right? So I found someone who did have those skill sets. I see. So you didn't want to, to pay for a service or anything like that? Or, or the skill sets? I didn't have money. Ah. I for it, and I needed help. So you can't pay someone to hire them, so what do you do? You... You end up partnering up with someone because you don't have money to pay more people and they have a skill set that you don't have. Yes, yes, I see. Let's go back to your journey. So the lead generation company was doing well. So what led on from there? Well, from there, we started doing consulting for people. <laughs> it was foolish. It was making good money. But we were tired of doing consulting for people. You know, at the end of the day, what I would end up doing us is like, hey, you know, what could we end up doing? And when we were running the agency, clients wanted other stuff. Like they wanted to help better understand how this traffic that we were bringing was engaging with their site. 
that's how the idea of Crazy Egg came up. Mm-hmm. And we did a few software companies before them, but they were small and they didn't work out. But what we ended up learning was they're just like, hey, this consulting is a scalable. We're not having fun doing this. We're getting all these customers who are requesting other stuff that can't be done without software. Let's develop it. We developed it. We launched it. Had a ton of buzz. It didn't make a ton of money at first. It was actually losing money. And we're just like, shit, you can make a ton of money doing software. And we love doing this because we don't have to deal with, you know, 50 consulting clients who are calling you every single day saying, why isn't my rankings higher on Google? And we're just tired of dealing with that. So that's how we got into the software game. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about Crazy Egg, just briefly? Sure. Crazy Egg is a usability analytics tool. It helps you visualize where people click on your website or where they don't click. And then from there, you can modify your design to maximize your conversion and usability. Okay. So how did that business go? That business, well, it's still growing to this date. It's still up and running, and we still own it. Okay. And do you, you don't have much involvement now with it, do you? It, it, it purely runs by itself. Is that correct? That's correct. Small team runs by itself, and, yeah, it's all self-sufficient. So, Awesome. So... You've then gone on to create Kiss Metrics, which is another software development company. That is, in terms, an expansion on Crazy Egg. Is that correct? That's correct. Kiss Metrics is Crazy Egg 2.0. Gotcha. Now, this is probably a question you get a bit, but why would you create another company that's 2.0 when Crazy Egg's doing so well? Can't you just do that within Crazy Egg? We never thought that, one, at that time, we didn't have enough cash because we were losing money. And two, we never felt crazy it was a big enough idea, like a $100 million company. So we pitched it to investors, and they're like, yeah, you should do this Kissmetrics thing. So we spun it out of Crazy Egg and then focused on that. I see. And that's where you focus mainly most of your time now? That's correct. I spend all my time on Kissmetrics these days. I see. And now I wanted to ask you a question about evaluating whether a business idea is worth pursuing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? The way a business idea is worth pursuing is if you think it's a big enough opportunity in the market, enough people are facing that problem, and you actually think you can solve it in a you know a practical way in which it's affordable, easy for the end consumer, right? That's when you go after idea, and most importantly, you also have to be passionate about it. If you're not passionate about something you're doing, you're going to get burned out, and eventually you're going to quit. Yeah, that, that's certainly right. And... I know you're an extremely hardworking guy, and you wouldn't be doing this if you weren't passionate about it. Like, roughly, how many hours a week do you work? And I don't keep track anymore, but I would say at least 70. Wow. And this is not a chore for you, That's and that's the really cool thing, and that's something that you'll find which is common amongst all entrepreneurs, myself included, is, is I spend a lot of time working on the magazine, but... You don't really keep track of it, do you? you just, it's just what you love doing. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're so passionate when you're not working, you're thinking about it anyway, so might as well work on it, right? That's right. On your blog, quicksprout.com, for those that are listening, definite, definite must-check-out blog. It, it's a great blog. And you talked about how not to burn out. Can you tell us a little bit about more that, about that a bit more just briefly? How, how do you go about not burning out? Because you work a lot of hours. So for me, the biggest thing is I take breaks once a month and I rage out with friends and I party really hard. (laughs) That's my advice. 
Right, so you gotta find your vice that makes you happy and just like, I go all out when I party once a month, but only once a month. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Each person, it really varies, right? I think it comes down to passion. If you don't love what you're gonna do, you're gonna get burned out. That's why most people get burned out. Mm-hmm. So. So, can you tell us about your early influences that you think have, have shaped you, the path that you're on today? One of my earliest influencers is a guy who's a mentor. His name is Andy Liu, and Andy Liu used to live above me. He moved. I should know his name always, but he's a great guy. He actually brought me to Seattle and taught me a lot of stuff, and he influenced me. He taught me a lot of my business skills, sales skills, all that kind of stuff, and just great overall mentor. Another person I've looked up to, I never met him, is Elon Musk. I've always loved what he's done over the years, especially with PayPal, and that's when I was first a fan of his. So I see. Now, let's switch gears a bit. I wanted to talk to you about your failures and, more importantly, the key things that you've taken away from them because it hasn't always been constant achievement, achievement, success, success. In everybody's entrepreneurial journey, you find that that they have to fail before they do really, really well. So can you run us through some of them and and some, some interesting things you, you've overcome and, and how you've managed to overcome them and what you've taken away from them? Sure. So the biggest failures would be that I lost a million bucks in a company in Texas. I'll say that was the biggest mistake I ever made. It was a hosting company. Never got launched. But the biggest failure, what I learned from that is ideas are a dime a dozen. It's the people that really matter in the business. Without good people, no matter how good the idea is, it just won't succeed. Right? There's, of course, caveats to that. There's probably rare occasions where people have a see when they suck and the idea is great. But in general, 99 plus percent of the time, if you don't have good people, you're not going to succeed. And I kept on pouring money into it, and it was a really bad call, and I lost a ton of money, and I was only 21 at the time. I didn't know any better. I ended up learning by having to repay back all the money I lost. So, And I did that through consulting, but... You know, I really learned hard at that point. Not only is execution important, but people. If you don't have good people, you're going to have a lot of extra problems that you shouldn't have had. You know, that's that's a big one. How, how do you go about hiring great talent? Uh, you have to find people who just not only love what they're doing, but have a skill set you don't have and are just like the best at it, right? So it's like if you want a developer, you go and find the best developer you can. If you don't know how to go find them, go find another developer that you can't hire, but you know is really good, that can help you hire, right? Same with design. Design's a bit easy because you can look at the design work and see if they're good. But not only do you have to look to see if people are good, you have to look to see if they're efficient. Just because you're an awesome developer and have hired these kind of people in the past, just because you don't do any work, right, you can create the best code, but if you barely do any work, there's no value in giving you, right? So you got to look at efficiency and output as well. And if you don't know how to hire, go find people who know how to hire and go find out their strategies and mimic. One thing that just strikes me about you is, is you seem to get so much done. <laughs> when I um, you know, looked, looked over your, all your accolades and, and how much you've achieved at the age of 28, and you start when you're, you're 16, which is fair enough, but you, you've achieved so much. And you've got so much done. Like you, I shot you an email for the interview out of all the people that I've interviewed, you were the fastest to get back to me. And I read your little 
you have a little cool diagram before I emailed you about how many emails you get on a monthly basis and, and the type of email. And I just wanted to know, how, how are you getting so much done? Yeah, the way I get stuff done is just I work a lot. And I know this sounds bad, but I also kind of have money, right? Not a ton of it, but enough. Where money goes a long way, you can actually get a lot done when you have a lot of cash. I see. <laughs> so, well, it's... See, I can hire people, right? The email, you got an email from my assistant who set up the meeting. I didn't have to do much other than shoot off the email to her and have her deal with it. But, like, I get a lot done because I have a great team, and without them, I wouldn't make money, right? So it's kind of catch-22, but that's actually why I get a lot of stuff done. It's I surround myself with great people and people who are smarter than me. You don't have to be the smartest, but as long as you hire people who are smarter than you, you're off to a good start. And that's what I do. Because I may not be an A player. I may not be the smartest person in the room. I probably, you know, if I had to go to Harvard, I probably would get C's. But I know to hire students who get A's. That kind of leads on to my next question is, what do you think it takes to become an entrepreneur and more importantly, a successful one? Sure. So what I think takes to be an entrepreneur and more importantly, a successful one is that at the end of the day, you just have to have persistence. In other words, you can't give up. You have to have a lot of passion. If you don't love what you're going to do, you're going to want to quit. you got to hustle. you got to figure out how to make things happen right when you're hustling. You just can't take no for an answer or say, oh, I don't have enough money, so I can't do it. Figure out ways around it, right? And I think hustling gets into a lot of creativity. With Through creativity, you can figure out unique solutions. Other than that, you know, I just think you have to be smart enough. You don't have to be the smartest person, but you have to be smart enough to, let's say, use logic and data to inform your decisions versus emotions or whatever it may be. But I would say those are some of the key elements. Yeah, gotcha. So what advice would you have for someone that has always had this business idea, but they, they can never seem to execute it? They, they just don't do anything about it. it. It comes down to fear, I think, personally. But what advice would you have? For that, I pretty much say those people aren't meant to be an entrepreneur. If you're worried about starting a company and you haven't done it but you got an idea, you're not meant to be one. Entrepreneurs don't worry about starting a company because that's the easiest part. You just go out there and do it. The hard part is making money and turning a profit, right? <laughs> so if you're stressing out on how to, or should I create an idea or should I not, don't waste your time. You're not meant to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> well, just straight out like that. <laughs> okay, well, what is your biggest fear as an entrepreneur? My good biggest fear is not succeeding, right? And to me, success is how big of a company you create and how big of a problem you solve. And for me, it really just comes down to not achieving it. But the fear comes down to I have the fear when I quit, right? So I don't really quit because I feel that if I never quit and I keep trying, no matter how long it takes me, technically I haven't failed then. That's why I don't give up. Because it's the fear of failing, and I feel fear is when you stop, because that's when you won't ever achieve it. But if you're trying and you don't achieve it, you can always try again. But the moment you say, hey, I'm not going to try again, then you failed in my eyes. And that's why I keep going. I can see that's what drives you. Well, yeah. One of the things that drives you, I, I can see it. I can feel it when, when you're answering my questions. So I have another question which kind of switches gears a bit, because you, you are an expert in lead generation. I can see you're a thought leader in this space in terms of the online side of things. What would be the number one tip you would give to those that are looking to rank highly for Google search or bring traffic to their website? 
write great content. So I created this guide called the Advanced Guide to Content Marketing. Yep. And it breaks down how to create great content, but I really think that's the key to ranking well in Google these days. Because if you write extremely great content, people will tweet about it, share it on Google+, like it on Facebook, you know, the link to it, all these kind of things, which helps your overall rankings go up. Just because someone links the internal page doesn't mean your homepage won't rank better as well, right? Yeah. So I, that's how you get rankings in today's game. And most people won't do it because they don't want to write the content. It's just a lot of work and it costs a lot of money. I see. And what do you think the best way is to bring traffic to your site? So the best way to bring traffic to your site is actually through social media. It's the quickest way to ramp up. You can spend some money on Facebook ads and build up a fan page, Twitter ads, and build a following. It's not cheap anymore, but once you get to 10, 20,000 fans on Twitter and, you know, 10, 20,000 fans on uh, Facebook, more so followers on Twitter, you'll be good whenever you tweet out some content that's relevant to what you do. More people will follow and go over there and retweet and stuff like that. I see. So, so it kind of goes hand in hand to have, you know, writing good content and then providing it to your your market or your or your followers in a sense, right? That's correct. I see. So how do you go about providing value to your to your clients with your current businesses? You make a promise. Your promise is what the company does. It could be that you're gonna help them boost their conversion rate or reduce their churn or provide certain metrics that they don't have. And then you make sure you deliver on it no matter what. Right? That's how you provide value. You give them what you promise them and you actually do it, and you do it in a timely fashion. Then on top of that, you go above and beyond. Maybe you educate them more. Maybe you give them some free tips. Maybe you give them, um, you know, for us, it's through education, through content marketing. We give them tips about their business in ways they didn't expect us to do for free. So it's not only do you give them what you promise them, but you give them more than what they, you promised them, right? In essence, you're under-promising and over-delivering, and that's how you make them happy. If you want to grow your, your client base... You, you keep your current clients happy or make them really, really happy because then they're going to spread the word, right? That's correct. I see. So what has been your biggest challenge, you would say? Getting out product as fast as possible. It's not really my department, but as a company, our biggest challenge is just keep on iterating on product extremely fast, getting out there, staying ahead of the market demand, right? It's a lot of work when you're tracking billions and billions of data calls because you got to deal with infrastructure problems as well as providing more information and more features to customers. I see. Well, thank you for your, your time. We have to start wrapping things up, Neil, but I just wanted to ask you one final question, and that's what do you want to be remembered for and, and what are your plans for the future? So I'm going to ask, answer the second one first. I don't have any plans for the future. I kind of have to plan ahead. I just keep doing what I'm doing and don't worry about the future. What I want to be remembered for is how I'm helping other people. I thought I hadn't helped enough people yet, but the end game is the way you want to operate life is help people remember you when you die. And if you can get people to remember you for what you want, then I feel you've been successful in life and accomplished pretty much everything. And I want people to remember me for helping other people and making the world a better place. I haven't even scratched the surface on doing that. Again, I have a lot of time, right? I'm only 28, so. Well, great, great answer. I assume you plan to, to do some more work in the non-for-profit sector? Definitely. Awesome. All right, well, let's just wrap things up. I just wanted to say thank you for your time, Neil. It's been an absolute pleasure having you.
Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.